the first episode of the Teed Up Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to cover the first week of the regular season and tell you what I liked and what I didn't. Then weigh on some opinions, and then lastly, we're going to go over the leading stats. Let's start with the first game of the season, the Golden State Warriors versus the Los Angeles Lakers. The Warriors won this game 123-109. to Curry just did whatever he wanted to the Lakers with 33 points, 7 assists, and 6 rebounds. It didn't matter what the Lakers threw at Steph, the only person that could stop him was himself. Andrew Wiggins had a smooth 20 points, 4 assists, and 6 rebounds. I've come to expect now 20-15 average from Wiggins. Clay had 18 points, 3 assists, and 2 rebounds, but only played 20 minutes. So given how little he played, I'd say he did pretty good. It is slightly concerning to see that the Warriors are still kind of babying Clay. But I'd rather play it safe than sorry, and I'm glad they're doing that. James Wiseman had 8 points and 7 rebounds. While I understand that he played against Anthony Davis, I did expect more than 8 points and 7 rebounds, especially from a player of his caliber. The Warriors really need someone that can go get boards. As we saw in the finals, that was kind of an issue, but they got away with it. I hope that he can pick it up as the season progresses. If he can't, I think the Warriors should look for an actual center. Overall, for the Warriors, I did expect them to wipe the floor of the Lakers, especially given that the Lakers didn't even make it to the playoffs last year. But it was nice to see a little fight from L.A. As for the Lakers, LeBron James had 31 points, 14 rebounds, and 8 assists. These are numbers we've come to expect from LeBron, but it still is impressive to see him doing this in year 20. I don't expect more or less from LeBron, as he's pretty consistent in giving most teams at least 30 points when he's healthy. Russell Westbrook had 19 points, 3 assists, and 11 rebounds. I'll get more into him later. Anthony Davis had 27 points, 6 rebounds, 4 steals, and 2 blocks. This was a pretty good game for AD, and as their center-ish figure, I think he needs to rack up some more boards. But we also have to keep in mind Westbrook and LeBron always crash for rebounds. Hopefully AD can stay healthy this season. It's always fun to watch him play. The Lakers were simply outmatched this game, though as their 77-point contribution from their big three wasn't enough to pull away a win. The Lakers should have made more moves this offseason. What they really need is shot makers on the floor, and the lack of this is killing them. Now, some people can argue that Austin Reeves is that shooter, but he's way too inconsistent and should be playing a lot better given how long he's been playing basketball. Next is the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Boston Celtics. The Celtics beat the Sixers 126-117. to Jason Tatum had 35 points, 12 rebounds, and 4 assists. It was nice watching Tatum get back into his normal play, as during the finals last season he was struggling. Tatum really got to his bag in the second half where he scored 19 points. Jalen Brown also had 35 points, but with 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 steals. Brown got active in the beginning of the game with 18 points. Overall, for the Celtics, there's not really much to touch on. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown pulled their weight, which usually equates to a win most of the time. As for the Sixers, James Harden had 35 points, 7 assists, and 8 rebounds. We got to see a glimpse of Prime Harden last night, and many of the fans are saying Harden is back, but I'm just going to sit back and wait. But hopefully for the Sixers, he shook off any of the inconsistencies he had last season. Joel Embiid had 26 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists, and 6 turnovers. Minus the turnovers, from just like an objective fan perspective, he did pretty good, but from knowing basketball, I'd say he did pretty bad. The whole point of the Sixers base and their whole team is on Embiid is that he has to deliver every night, and especially when you're being guarded by Al Horford. Now, you can't play perfect every game. That's impossible. 
But if I was Embiid, I would be looking at the Celtics and every other team as a chance to dominate. The size difference between Embiid and Al Horford is really noticeable, and Embiid is undoubtedly the better player. I'm not saying that Al Horford is a scrub, but calling him a true center would just be stupid. Tyrese Maxey contributed 21 points, and Tobias Harris pitched in 18 more. And I'm just going to flat out say how I feel here. The Sixers only lost this game because Embiid didn't really play like a normal self. If Embiid played a normal game for him, the Sixers would have won. Everyone else on the roster played a pretty average game, but Embiid's scoring capabilities were needed tonight. The next game I'm going to cover is the Chicago Bulls versus the Miami Heat. The Bulls came back to win this game 116-108. to DeMar DeRozan took over the game with 37 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists. There's a reason why DeRozan is one of the best closers in the league, going a 19-point burner in the third. Nikola Vucevic was a monster on the glass with 17 rebounds, 15 points, and 3 blocks. Hopefully he can keep up this good performance. The main problem I have with Vuce is his inconsistency. I feel like he's very capable of getting a minimum of 15 points and 10 rebounds, but he's been in the league for 11 years, and he does average a double-double. But just some nights he's really good and other ones he's really bad. I don't feel like he really has a decent game. It's just good or bad. Ayo Desumu had 17 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals. I like what I see out of Desumu. Last season he played pretty good, so I'm glad he's giving a chance to shine. I do remember watching March Madness a few years ago, and I just got pissed watching him force stupid shots. But it's looking like he's kind of worked those out of his game, or he's figured out a way to make those consistent. As for the Heat, they started off hot but couldn't keep up with the Bulls for the rest of the game. With 18 turnovers as a team, it's hard to really get into a rhythm. Jimmy Butler had 24 points with 16 free throw attempts. To say the most, Butler is pretty aggressive, but at the same time, he didn't really make most of those shots where he wasn't fouled. Bam Adebayo played horrible, going 5 for 15 with 5 turnovers. Tyler Hero had 23 points with 16 of those in the first half of the game. I feel that once he gets used for being a solidified starter, he'll do a bit better. He's definitely an offensive-oriented guard, so getting him going, especially from three, is really important for Miami. Miami's defense looked okay. I mean, no one can really stop DeMar, so I'm not going to say anything about that. But they did limit the Bulls to 32 points in the paint, making them shoot most of their shots. But one concerning thing is that the Bulls struggled last season against the Heat, even with Levine. I don't think there needs to be any concern for Miami, because it was literally the first game of the season. But I, So I'll think they'll be fine. Next is the really first massacre of the season, in my opinion. The New Orleans Pelicans beat the brakes off the Brooklyn Nets 130-108. to Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and CJ McCollum pulled out all the stunts to lead the Pelicans to a massive win. Zion had 25 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, and an impressive 4 steals. Ingram had 28 points, 7 rebounds, and 5 assists. CJ contributed with 21 points, 6 assists, and 4 rebounds. Jonas Valanciunas cleaned up the glass with 15 points and 13 rebounds. The Pelicans pretty much just steamrolled the Nets, getting a 20-point lead after the first three quarters. And to say it pretty short and simple, the Pelicans simply played great team basketball, and I feel the Nets are not a team that thrives through all 14 players on their roster. Their success really rests on the shoulders of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and unfortunately now Ben Simmons. KD had 32 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and a monster's 4 blocks. KD played exactly how he should have. Just like LeBron, we expect KD to drop at least 30 points and contest shots on defense due to his length and athleticism. The Nets' loss wasn't on KD this game. Nick Claxton had 13 points, 10 rebounds, and 2 blocks. 
These are the only two players besides Patty Mills who had 16 points that I can positively speak on. Kyrie hooped like a bench player tonight with starter minutes with a disappointing 15 points on 6 for 19 shooting and 5 assists. When you build a team like how Sean Marks did, you have to have your three powerhouses play good. You can't spend all of your money in one spot and then that not turn out good. You spend a ton of money on two of the biggest stars in the NBA and you leave no, like little salary cap room for supporting players if those starters play badly. A big night was needed out of Kyrie and he couldn't step up. And now for Ben Simmons, I'm not even going to tell you. I'm not even going to tell you a stat line. I'm just going to tell you he fouled out in the first 23 minutes. I'm speaking on him later. Okay. On a better note, the Milwaukee Bucks played the Philadelphia 76ers. This is our first look at Giannis and the Bucks this season, hopefully an Embiid redemption game. The Bucks beat the Sixers 90-88. to Giannis had 21 points, 13 rebounds, 8 assists, and 3 blocks against the Sixers. I'm going to be honest, I'd expect a little bit more scoring from Giannis, but I feel his value as a two-way player makes up for the lack of scoring tonight. Even if Giannis didn't have those three blocks, he still can test every shot he possibly can. Even if that means he's getting dunked on, he's still going for the block. His defensive presence alone really alters the decision-making of every player he guards, and you can't afford not to change the way you play when you're being guarded by a seven-foot-tall athletic freak of nature. Chris Middleton is still recovering from his offseason wrist injury, and he did not play against the Sixers tonight. I'm sure the Bucks would have won by a landslide with Chris there to help carry the offensive load. Brooke Lopez helped out with 17 points, 4 rebounds, and 2 blocks. The Bucks definitely needed more rebounds from Brooke, but in the end it didn't really matter. Drew Holiday had 6 points on a horrible 2 for 15 shooting, but he did have 8 assists and 2 steals. And I feel like Holiday needed to at least score 15 points, but just like Giannis, Holiday is a very good two-way player, and as long as he plays decent defense, he should be fine. Now, yes, while Harden did have 30 this game, which I'll get into more later, it didn't matter who Harden played that night. He would have dropped 30 regardless. What does matter is that Holiday was able to make plays when it mattered, like when he stopped Harden in the last few seconds of the game. And the Bucks as a team overall did really Good shutting down the three-point line, with the Sixers only making five out of 24 of the three-pointers attempted on the night. I thought this was a very good defensive game plan by Mike Budenholzer. It's damn near impossible to stop James Harden when he gets going, so forcing him inside for twos versus threes is a much better scenario. Overall, an okay offensive performance by the Bucks, but their defense did the talking tonight. As for the Sixers, James Harden had 31 points, 9 assists, and 8 rebounds with 2 steals. It's nice to see that the Harden we once knew is coming back. He looks healthy, and so far he's playing pretty good, consistent basketball. Tyrese Maxey had 15 points. I'm just going to flat out say it. I think Maxey is just a bench player with starting minutes. There's not really much I can expect from him. Joel Embiid put up Kyrie numbers tonight with 15 points on 6 for 21 shooting and 12 rebounds. I'm not trusting the process right now. These two back-to-back rough games for Embiid are slightly concerning. A third game in a row would be something to really worry about. His defense on the night also looked pretty sluggish, which to me is not what an MVP caliber player looks like. And the Sixers had terrible transition defense. Harden's looking like the only good thing going on for this team right now. Next is the battle for LA. The Los Angeles Clippers beat the Los Angeles Lakers 103-97. to Even though it was only a six-point loss, it felt a lot worse. So it's a very interesting game for me for many reasons. One of them being that I will not be talking much about the Lakers as I'd rather make fun of a player than a whole organization, but let's cover the Clippers first. Scoring was very spread out for the Clippers, so I'm going to cover this a little differently. Kawhi Leonard, Ivaka Zubac, 
and Marcus Morris Sr. had 14 points. Paul George and John Wall had 15 points. Luke Kennard had 11. PG and Zubac led the team in rebounds with Paul George's 10 and Zubac's 17 boards. Reggie Jackson and PG both had four assists. PG and Zubac were the only two players to play over 30 minutes the whole game, and the majority of the other guys played within the 25-minute range with an exception of three players. This really was a team effort for the Clippers and an odd game to look at stat-wise. For the Lakers, Lonnie Walker IV had a breakout game tonight with 26 points, 3 rebounds and assists, and 2 steals. I didn't see this coming from him, but Lonnie is one of those players that is fun to watch when he gets in rhythm. He plays with great energy and tempo when given the chance to shine. Anthony Davis had 25 points, 8 rebounds, and 2 steals. To me, this is a pretty average game for AD after the whole AD stands for always damage stage of his career. LeBron had 20 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, and 2 blocks. Like I said earlier, we expect a minimum of 30 from LeBron, but it does suck watching LeBron shoot 2 from 8 from 3. I understand that when you get older, you can't keep banging around the post the whole game, and you can't take hits like you used to, but just throwing up 3 isn't the way to pull your team out of a slump. <laughs> I'm not even going to speak on Russell Westbrook for this game. I'm going to get more into him later. The Lakers played like crap, and I'm honestly surprised they even made it to 97 points. The last game I'm going to cover is one of my favorite types of games to watch. The Portland Trailblazers edge out a win over the Phoenix Suns in overtime 113-111. to This by far was the best game of the week to me. I love watching down-to-the-wire games. It's one of my favorite things about basketball, and there's no feeling like playing in one or watching one. Devin Booker had 33 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists. Booker pretty much picked apart the Blazers' zone defense and got to his spots with ease. DeAndre Ayton had 26 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists. Chris Paul had 10 points, 4 rebounds, 12 assists, and 5 steals. I mean, the point guy was on full display tonight. While some people can be mad that he only had 10 points, that's not his role. His role as a veteran player is to do exactly what he's doing now. Dish the ball, coach his teammates on the court, and run the offense. I think he did exactly that tonight. I don't think anyone on the Suns is to blame for the loss tonight, except maybe the bench who didn't do a damn thing. For a team that Monty Williams supposedly said he didn't talk to the whole offseason after losing to the Mavs, I feel they did pretty good tonight. I don't know what amends were made between the players and him, but the Suns went out and competed tonight. As for the Blazers, Damian Lillard is him, with 41 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists on the night. Dame only played 29 games last season, so it was good to see him come back like he had never left. I was surprised to see Dame pass up the game-winning shot, though. I feel like that's kind of his trademark with the whole Dame time thing, but I'll get into more of that later. Yusef Nurkic had 20 points and 17 rebounds. That's a pretty good contribution for a starting center, and it's not a superstar. Anthony Simmons had 16 points, with the last two coming from his game-winning baby hook in overtime. The Blazers fought pretty hard against the Suns, getting their first lead in just the fourth quarter, and they took it all in overtime. Next up after the short break is How It Is, a segment where I tell you exactly how I feel. Welcome to How It Is. This is where I'm going to talk about Russell Westbrook. I mean Westbrook, sorry. We're going to start with a clip from his interview, and we're just going to go from there. How about you personally? How would you assess your game tonight? Um, solid, solid. Um, played hard. That's all you can ask for. Um, move on to the next. <laughs> move one. on to the next one. How the hell do you shoot 0 for 11? Like, damn, that's horrible. And then you completely ignore the question that was asked, and you said you gave your best effort. 
Are you hearing yourself? There's guys on the bench like Scottie Pippen Jr. who are just sitting, watching, waiting for a chance to play the game, and they're watching you go 0 for 11. I don't know how, what they're doing in practice, but if they're making a jump shot, they should at least be given a chance. I don't understand what the coaches are doing in L.A. or if Braun's running the team. Whoever's calling the shots is an idiot, though. Russ would have been off my team after last season. Hell, if I was Russ, I would have retired after that poor excuse of a season he had last year. Russ, don't hurt your legacy more. Retire. Hopefully everyone forgets about how bad you played at the end of your career, and you will go down in history as a high-caliber, very athletic point guard and go into the Hall of Fame. I honestly feel like overall his career, he's been a pretty good, reliable player, but what really sucks to me is that He's just playing like crap now, and a lot of people are forgetting what he's capable of and what he used to be able to do. Next up is another bricklayer, Ben Simmons. This clip comes from First Take. Let's get into it. But my God, Ben Simmons was awful last night too. No factor whatsoever. Plagued by foul trouble to some degree. Didn't seem ready to go, okay? and only attempted one shot in the first three quarters, which also didn't help matters at all. You don't have to shoot jump shots, but damn, you're supposed to be a playmaker. You weren't doing that. So I just think that all around, it was a relatively bad night for the Brooklyn Nets, but it's just opening season, and I'm thinking forward. I'm all right. I couldn't agree more. Ben isn't on the net to shoot jump shots. This is simple how it is. There's guys like KD, Kyrie, and Joe Harris that that's their job. You clearly weren't capable of shooting before, and especially after the whole mental health thing, you're not ready to shoot now, even though you said you were. All you gotta do is just attack the rim. Get beat the defense, get to the rim. You're you're how tall, six ten playing point guard, just get to the damn rim. Hopefully at the bare minimum you worked on your free throws this offseason. On the nets you're not going to play where you want to defend. You're going to have to guard the guys like Zion and Giannis because we know KD can't. I can't say much about your defense because I've only seen one game. But seriously, fouling out in 23 minutes with one of those coming from a bad screen because your positioning was worse? Please attack the basket more. I can't believe we have guys like you in the NBA. And then we have players like the Marcus Cousins who are out of the league who can't get on a team. I'll never understand that. If you're that big and you have this much opportunity, the fact you're still in the NBA after all of the junk you've pulled is crazy to me. On to a good note, actually. I originally wrote the script for the episode yesterday on October 22nd, and now it's the next day, October 23rd, but so much happened overnight, I really gotta talk about it. Embiid finally decided to show up. Embiid dropped 40 points, 13 rebounds, and 2 blocks in a loss against the Spurs, 144 to 105. Now, even though they did get blown out, I was still pretty happy to see Embiid got back into his element yesterday. But let's make playing like an MVP level some, something normal, like it was before. Just like how the Nets lost to the Pelicans, that's the same reason why the Sixers lost to the Spurs. Harden didn't show up. And it's not like he didn't get the ball either. He shot 18 times and only made 4 shots. Just a poor performance, and now Philly's 0 for 3. Now it's time to be a little bit concerned if you're Philadelphia. Now we're going to take this to the Nuggets. Nikola Jokic pulled off a triple-double in the win against the Thunder, 122-117. to The Joker had 19 points, 16 rebounds, and 3 assists. I mean, just damn. Now, moving to the forwards of the league. We had three 40-point games last night. Giannis had 44 points and 12 rebounds in a win against the Rockets, 125-120. to I like to see Giannis playing more aggressively. 
He was also very efficient last night with an 81% field goal percentage. A pattern I've come to see from all of Giannis's high-scoring games is that he has an unusually high field goal percentage. And it's not like he's hogging the ball and taking 40 shots. He's just getting to his spots with ease. Next, we have another 40-piece from Jason Tatum. Tatum dropped 40 points and 8 rebounds in a win against the Magic at 126-120. to Tatum shot 14 for 21. This is still pretty impressive for Tatum, and I feel like it's just another day in the office for him, honestly. This last 40 bomb comes from Paul George. PG had 40 points, 6 rebounds, and 6 assists in a narrow win over the Kings, 111-109. to PG shot 16 from 31 from the field. Next, a few of the guards got 30 overnight. Luka Doncic dropped 32 points, 7 rebounds, 10 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks in a massive win over the Grizzlies, 137-96. Luka shot 12 for 23. Next is Donovan Mitchell with 32 points, 9 rebounds, and 8 assists in a landslide win against the Bulls, 128-96. Donovan shot 10 for 19. Earlier in the week, in a loss against the Raptors, he had 31 points, 9 assists, and 2 steals. I'd say Donovan's been playing some pretty good basketball this season. It seems like the extreme change from the Jazz to the Cavaliers doesn't really bother him much. The last big game was from De'Aaron Fox, who had 36 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists in the loss against the Clippers. Fox shot 15 for 23. Overall, I was really surprised to see how many players went off last night. But to me, that just means that NBA basketball is back. Next up is debating the experts. Welcome to debating the experts, where I do exactly what you think it is. Today's clip comes from the NBA Today show. They're my pick to win the title. But there's still something that you believe is at stake for them? Yeah, I mean, it, the clock is kind of ticking on this team in a way that might be sneaking up on people. I don't mean to be dramatic about it. It's not ticking that fast. But Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, these mm. guys are 30 or on the other side of 30. Brooke Lopez is older. The team around Giannis is getting older. They've traded a lot of picks. If they don't win it this year or make a finals run this year, it just gets harder and harder every year. Like, there's a lot at stake for Giannis, both historically and for his team this season. Well, they're not starting off the year completely healthy either. Yeah, Chris Middleton is out. Mm-hmm. and uh, Pat Connaughton. Pat Connaughton is out. The big part of their team. Yeah, yeah and I, okay, this is kind of like what Zach was saying. This is kind of a low-key, important year for the Bucks because mm. they're... I'm just going to stop it there. Um, I don't necessarily agree that the Bucks have something at stake if they don't win the finals this season. Sure, Giannis' support crew is getting older, but that's like saying the Warriors have something at stake if they don't win a ring this season because Clay and Draymond are getting old. You might as well say every team that isn't a contender is in trouble. Over time, moves will be made. Giannis is one of those players that you build around. It's not hard to do that. Give him some shooters and a center who can rebound and play decent defense. I mean, come on. And no disrespect to these players I'm about to mention, but we're talking about guys like Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton. Sure, they're pretty good at basketball, but they're nothing crazy. Every team in every generation has NBA players like them. After this is the last segment of today's episode's Stat Leaders. Welcome to Stats Leaders. If you don't know what this segment could be about, there's a Coco Melon podcast just for you, actually. <laughs> just kidding. John Morant leads the pack for the highest points per game with 41.5 points averaged. Rudy Gobert averages the most rebounds per game with 19.5 rebounds. Trey Young averages the most assists per game with 13 assists. 
Ivanka Zubac averages the most blocks per game with five blocks. Lastly, DeJounte Murray averages the most steals per game with 4.5 steals. Some of the players on this list have only played one game, so don't expect the same names every week. Unless it's John Morant, he's just different. And that wraps it up for episode one of the Teed Up Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more episodes like this, please consider leaving a like, comment, and subscribing if you're on YouTube. If you're on Spotify or any other streaming service, please download my episode to your streaming app. It doesn't download it to your phone, just download it to the app so that you can access it when you're offline or have no internet. These are the best ways to support me and let me gauge how I'm doing. As always, this is your host, Carter, and thank you for listening to the Teed Up Podcast.